0: A heart. Um, you know most of them. Uh, we've got Taylor. Taylor, you'd be the youngest, I believe. She's eight years old. I'm not going to say who the oldest is. I think it's Wilma. She was. She was Fred. Fred she was Fred Flintstone's wife. Y'all know that if I pick on people, I love them. And so if I had not got to you yet, I'll get to you, all right? Debbie thinks that one day the church is going to turn against me and I'm going to be in trouble. But I'm going to take that chance here. Thank you for coming today. If you have your Bibles, open to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, again, it's going to be on the screen. But please remember, having the scripture on the screen is not a substitute for you bringing your Bible and having the copy of the Word of God in your hands. Uh, This is a third message on godly parenting and grandparenting. And as I've told you so often before when we start messages, I have no clue how long they're going to be or how long they're going to last. And uh, I am convinced that the Bible is the Word of God. And one of the reasons these words that were written centuries ago have just as much application to my life and your life and our families and our church as they did when Moses came down from the mountain and told the people of Israel, this is what God says. Folks, if we would turn back to God and hear His instruction And folks, again, I'm going to pray in a minute. We're going to get into the message. But I just want to... This is a glorious passage of Scripture. Think about these folks. Their descendants have been slaves in Egypt for 430 years, and God has delivered them. They've been confused because they've lived in a country where a multitude of gods were served by the Egyptian people. But God kept telling them, I'm the only real God. And one of the ways that I'll prove that... I will deliver you from the strongest kingdom on earth at that time, and that was the Egyptian kingdom. Read the book of Exodus. Read about how when they got to the Red Sea, and these Hebrew peoples who had been, been slaves were getting ready to be attacked by the greatest army on the face of the earth at that time. You remember what happens. God parts the Red Sea, lets the people go through, and when the Egyptian army follows, the sea comes back and destroys them all. And the people, the Hebrew people, did not lift a hand. They didn't even have any weapons. Folks, our God is real. Our God has always got a plan for His people. God had been working on this plan since creation since Adam and Eve, and especially Abraham, who became the forefather of the Jewish people. I'm telling you all this to say, folks, this is a word that is applicable to our day, and to our lives, and most especially to our families. God's design was that the place of worship originally would be the home and the family. And I believe that that is still his design today that our children and grandchildren would be brought up in godly homes by godly parents who would listen to the instructions of God and follow those. Now, it's hard to do that, and I confess that. And I'm not the best example of a godly father or grandfather, but I'm not asking you to look at me. I'm asking you to listen to what God says. And here's what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, the ordinances which the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. And again, I'm being repetitious, but remember, Moses has gone up to meet with God on Mount Sinai. God has given him instructions, and he's come back to teach the people that you may do them in the land of which you're going over to possess it. Steve, if you'll go to... There we go. Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry, that's D back there, isn't it? Okay, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. Isn't that unique how God is speaking not only to that generation but to the coming generations? This is something that fathers, grandfathers, mothers, grandmothers will do. By keeping all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you and a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Did you notice in verse 3 and 4 it started out by saying, Hear, O Israel? Twice, two verses, God says, Hear me. Verse 5, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates." Now let us pray. Father, as you spoke to Moses and Moses spoke to your people, I pray in these moments as we read this passage of Scripture that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will speak through your word our hearts. God, please bless our homes and our families. Please bless mothers and fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers. Please bless homes where a single parent is raising and leading a child. Please bless homes where grandparents have been given the responsibility of leading and raising children. And Lord, help our homes to be under the leadership of the Word of God and of your Spirit. And Father, may our homes truly be places where we worship and exalt you. Father, I pray for every family in our church that you'll bless. And Father, even as the family is being attacked by Satan himself in our day, Lord, help us to put on the whole armor of God, most especially the Word of God, that we might be held together as we follow you and your Word. For we ask in Christ's name, Amen. Last Sunday, we pointed out that in this passage of Scripture, God gives at least seven instructions. Seven instructions from God in this passage of Scripture to parents and grandparents. And let me read these seven. Last Sunday, we got on the first one, okay? Number one. In verse 1, parents and grandparents must be teachable. Before we can share God with our families, our children and grandchildren, we ourselves must be taught and trained by God. Number 2, parents and grandparents must first obey the commands of the Lord before we can teach our children and grandchildren. And that's found in verse 1, 2, 3, and 6. The third thing in this passage of Scripture parents and grandparents must fear the Lord your God, verse 2. The fourth thing parents and grandparents must hear the Lord, verses 3 and 4. The fifth thing parents and grandparents must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, verse 5. Number 6, parents and grandparents must accept the responsibility to be teachers. Verse 7, and the last thing, and and you'll probably find more, for parents and grandparents, this is to be a lifetime commitment. Verse 2, all the days of your life. Well, Last Sunday, we looked at parents and grandparents must be teachable, so let's move on. The second instruction from God is that parents and grandparents must first obey the commands of the Lord, before they can truly teach their children and grandchildren to obey. let me just point out verse 1, 2, 3, and 6, and let me read phrases from those verses. You must do them in the land which you're going over to possess it, verse 1. Verse 2, keeping all his statutes and commandments. Verse 3, be careful to do them. And verse 6, and these things which I command you to, This day shall be upon your heart. And folks, I want to point something out, and and I hope this is very simple because I think this passage of Scripture is very simple. I believe that what God is trying to say, allow His commands, His teachings, to move from our minds to our heart to action, to obedience. Put them in practice. And folks... That old saying, practice what you preach. Don't we preach to our children? I heard that expression a lot of times. Stop preaching to me, Daddy. But yet, that is one of our responsibilities, but we preach not only by our speech, but by the way that we live before our children. And folks, let me tell you something as adults. Adults. As parents and grandparents, first of all, God expects obedience from his people because we love him. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14, verses 21 to 24. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If a man loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The folks... Let me finish reading that. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. Is that not very simple? If we love the Lord Jesus, we will obey him. That's a hard principle to put into practice, isn't it? And folks, listen to the promise that Jesus makes. Would you back up 1D? Uh, Look at the last phrase in, in verse 23. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Folks, can we truly say that the Lord Jesus Christ lives in us? And that's the key to being a godly parent and a godly grandparent, that it is Jesus who lives in us. But folks, it is God's promise through his son that when we are born into the kingdom of God, God places his spirit in us. But we are the ones who determine how much that spirit will be activated in our daily living and how much we will be filled with and led by the Spirit of God. Folks, you and I cannot be a godly parent or grandparent simply because we're wonderful people or because we go to church or members of whatever church we're a member of. Folks, it is the working of God in us. When the command of God goes from our mind to our hearts and then becomes our action. And God expects obedience from his people, not because the preacher said so, but because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to ask ourselves, how much do we love the Lord? How much are we in love with Christ? Are we in love with him enough to obey him? But there's something else in this passage of our, script, of our scripture. Our children expect us to obey God before we teach them and expect them to obey. And folks, again, it would be so easy for me to stand before you and tell all the wrongs in our society. And there are many. But folks, what we've got to focus on is becoming that person that God intends for us to be. And folks, we should not be asking our children to do something for Christ that we're not willing to do ourselves. So we must first obey Him. And folks, as Christian parents and grandparents, is God serious that we obey Him? That's a question I think we need to ask ourselves. Is God really serious? Oh man, this is Old Testament stuff. We're not living under law. We're living under grace in the New Testament. But yet... If we follow Jesus Christ, he expects our obedience to him. You remember a couple of well, when we got started in this passage of scripture, I read Exodus 19:7 and 8. Let's read that again. Exodus 19:7 and 8. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Folks, you remember what God had told them? He wanted them to be a a royal priesthood and a holy nation. God expects us to obey Him. And folks... I want to read some verses to you out of Deuteronomy 5. And if you, I hope you've got your Bible. Some of these are going to be on the, uh, on the screen, beginning with verse 27. And this is not Fran's fault that it's not up here. It's my fault because I was looking at this passage of Scripture yesterday morning. But let me, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning, begin reading with verse 22, okay? Listen to this. Deuteronomy five twenty two. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, the thick darkness with a loud voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them upon two tablets of stone and gave them to me. Of course, Moses is speaking to the people. And when you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness. We have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have, we have this day seen God speak with man, and listen to this, and man still live. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more. we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of fire as we have and has still lived? Now what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Folks, these folks sensed that they were in the presence of God at Mount Sinai, and they knew with no doubt that there was only one true God. It was the God that had delivered them out of Egypt. They are so afraid of being in the presence of God, because they sense that God is so holy and so righteous, they tell Moses, you go, and you get the word from God, and you bring it back to us. You know what they're saying? If God's going to kill anybody, Moses, we want it to be you and not us. And I'm not trying to be funny here this morning, folks. How long has it been since we approached the Word of God or even in prayer approached the Lord Jesus and said, you know, I'm really not worthy, God, to be in your presence. And we're not. But through Christ Jesus and through His blood we are, aren't we? Folks, these were serious moments for these people. So listen to the next verses. Verse 27, go near, they're saying this, they're saying this to Moses, the people are, go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear, and what? And do it. Moses, you go, find out what this God who loves us so much, who is so great and awesome and powerful, who has delivered us, you find out from him what he wants us to do and we'll do it. Listen, verse 28 and 29. Steve, if you go, thank you. And the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of the people which they have spoken to you. They have rightly said all that they have spoken. Now, mark this verse down, verse 29, okay? Mark this verse down. Oh, that they had such a mind as this. How long? Always to fear me, to keep all my commandments, that it might go well with them, with their children forever. You know, if there's something that God knows about our nature as humans, we're up and down, aren't we? Man, we're either on a spiritual high or a spiritual bust. That's been true of my life. I'm either, I just can't wait to serve the Lord, or either I'm saying, God, I am so sick and tired of trying to be obedient to you. God knew that these people would struggle with doing His commands and His will. God knows that struggle for us. But folks, you and I must make a firm commitment to obey the commands of the Lord our God. Before we can teach our children to obey, we must obey. And then there's a third instruction that God gives in verse 2. We must fear the Lord our God. And folks, we're going to wind down. You're hoping I'm going to wind down in just a couple of minutes, all right? But I want us to take some time to study this instruction. It is God's desire that we fear Him. Again, look at verse, look at verse 29 here from chapter 5. Oh, that they had such a mind as this always to what? To fear me. Folks, what does it mean to fear God? And again, this is God's own words to his people. I want you to fear me. Well, fear, and if, and if I ask probably you to write down uh, on a piece of paper what does fearing God mean, probably a high percentage of, of us would say uh, fearing God means that he might strike us down because we're all sinners. But folks, this fearing God is much greater than God simply striking us down. And I didn't realize this until studying this passage of scripture that fearing God is one of the great themes in the Old Testament and especially in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, let me I've got all these notes, but I'll stop for just a second. You and I are going to find out from the book of Proverbs, from Psalms, that one of the greatest things that can happen in our spiritual walk with God is for us to fear Him. Because when we begin to fear God, we acknowledge who He is and who we are, and we open the door for God to really begin to pour His blessings out upon us. And folks, the Scripture bears this out, that when we obey God, God's blessings are poured out upon us. That's what God desires. But if we're walking away from God, how can God bless us? And folks, when we do not fear God, we're not going to obey God, and so we're going to turn ourselves away from the blessings of God. Folks, God has prepared this land of milk and honey for His people. God has got all these blessings that He wants to give to them. But what do they do? They don't fear God. They don't obey God. And you know, a good case in point is Moses. And I'm not trying to belittle Moses, but does Moses get to set foot on the promised land? No, he does not. And you know why? He becomes disobedient to God. Now listen, that doesn't keep Moses out of heaven. But, folks, he was not able to fulfill the mission that God had for his life to lead the people into the promised land. And, folks, you and I, if we're going to fulfill the mission that Christ has for us, there must be fear and obedience. That's a side note. But let me get started on this concept of fearing God, okay? And I'm going to give you the documentation of where I've gotten some of this information from, okay? The Bible Knowledge Commentary says that in the Old Testament, fearing God is becoming so acutely aware of the moral purity and omnipotence of God that we are genuinely afraid to disobey Him. Fearing God is more than all our reverence. It also includes responding to God in worship, service, trust, obedience, and commitment. That's a whole lot, isn't it? So often we talk about we've got an awesome God, and we do. But folks, God wants us not only to say we've got an awesome God, but He wants us to worship, serve, trust, and obey and commit ourselves to Him as the awesome God. We've got to get beyond just describing God. We've got to begin to follow God. Warren Wiersbe says that when we love the Lord and fear the Lord... We can do this with the same heart. Now, think about I, that. That statement just jumped off the pages at me. Let me read it again. I misread it. Let me read it again. We can love the Lord and fear the Lord with the same heart. God does not want us to come to Him cowering that He's getting ready to strike us down. You know, if God took us out because of our attitude someday and our sins, you'd have had a new pastor in the pulpit. And I'd have been in heaven a long, long time ago. Thank you, Jeanette. That's the truth. A long, long time ago. And my point is not, again, to be silly. Folks, God doesn't operate that way. There's none of us that are, that are worthy to be serving Him, that are even worthy to live. All of us are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. But as we begin to love God more, we fear Him because we want to be in the center of His will. We want to be people that are portraying are His love and His example to the rest of the world around us. Does that make sense? Because, you see, what God is telling the nation of Israel, I'm going to use you as a light to the rest of the world. You remember, Israel refused to do that. So, Christ raises up the church. But folks, let me, let me again, and, and I, th- I know I've shared this with you. One of the Old Testament uh, professors at seminary one time said something that, that I've never forgotten. He said that when God called Abraham, Abraham was living between two great civilizations. The Egyptian, the Babylonian. And God put that little nation Israel between them to shed the light of who the true God is to the rest of the world. And they were highly outnumbered, but yet God wanted to use them. In a world that seems to be becoming more and more unchristian, we have still been placed in the middle of this dark world to magnify the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God the Father. And how will we do it? By being teachable, by obeying in such a way that we set an example for coming generations And by fearing the Lord. We're just getting on the surface of this. And we'll get back on it soon. Let's pray together. Father, your word is just inexhaustible. Your word is so great. Because it is the word of God. Father, teach us more about, about yourself. And Lord, help that what we learn about you would move from our mind to our heart into obedience and action. Help, Father, that we will live godly lives and we as parents and grandparents will be teaching our children things of God. And Father, teach us to fear you. Not because we think you might strike us down. We deserve it so often. But help us to fear you because that fear of God would come because we've received his love and his mercy. Thank you, Father, that we love you and we might say we even fear you because you first loved us. Father, work in our hearts. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that is not yet trusted Christ as Savior, that even this hour, Lord, even these moments, you'll speak to their hearts and they'll turn to you. And, Father, many of us have been Christians for many, many years. And, Lord, perhaps we've gotten off the right path. Perhaps the things of God and the things of Christ no longer have as much importance to us. And as we head toward the end of our life, perhaps we don't take spiritual things as serious. God, wake us up. Wake our churches up, Father, that we'll see that as you did Israel and the New Testament church. You placed us in the midst of a dark world to be shining lights so that others can come to know Your love and Your mercy. Father, in these moments of invitation, please speak to hearts. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn this morning is number 465, Only Trust Him. If the Spirit of God is leading you to make some type of public commitment or decision, would you come perhaps to trust Christ as your Savior, to make a new commitment to Christ, perhaps to surrender your home and your family to Him? Would you come? Let us stand.